Welcome to the Watoto Church Podcast. Prepare your heart as we explore scripture and delve into the Word of God. We praise God because He's alive. He's at work in our lives every single day. Just this past week, uh, was our week of prayer and fasting and we were seeking God and the stories of how God is at work are amazing. People have been healed. There's uh, somebody that had nervous issues healed. Uh, there's someone who came to me and said, hey pastor, I've not had a job in a long time. I've got one that's absolutely better than anything I could imagine. Our God is alive. That's why we continue to praise Him. For those who are online, on air, uh, I mean, last week, Sunday, somebody came to church for the very first time. Uh, the only encounter they had with Watoto was by watching our service on air. He was bedridden in hospital. That's how we got to know about Watoto. And while there, he would tune in every Sunday and God touched him, healed him, and he was in church to make sure that what he saw on air was what was happening in the house. And he was uh, absolutely blessed. God is alive. And the God we serve wants to bless you. He wants to move in your life and do amazing things. But in order for us to continue to experience God's blessing and His work in our lives, uh, uh, we got to deal with some things corporately, but also individually. And I'm going to talk about one of those things that we must address as a community of believers if we want to continue to see God at work in our lives. Ready for it? We're continuing in the book of 1 Corinthians and uh, if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and then I'll pray and we will dive into it. Now Father, I ask you to anoint your word and to us today, we know that your word is life, your word is truth. Our hearts are open, and whatever you say, God, we are ready to act, we're ready to obey, so we can continue to experience your blessing in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. The book of Corinthians is a letter that Paul addresses to a church in a city context that was going through city challenges. Wealthy city, full of elites in there, and they had the gospel and gave their hearts to the Lord and joined the church, but there was a challenge. Some of the culture of the day began to infiltrate the church. And so Paul writes this letter to address some of the issues he had had. And we've been talking about some of them. In cities, you will always find the celebrity culture there. Paul was addressing it because they had their favorite preachers. I follow so-and-so, I follow so-and-so. Today it is digitized. And it was bringing division. Paul addresses it. Whenever they had disputes, 
They really behaved like the city. They took each other to court. Paul addresses that. They had issues of uh, um, social status. Last week we talked about communion. Even when it came to communion, the wealthy had private communion. And then the rest, and they would indulge. I mean, they had challenges. Talk about family challenges and uh, immorality. They also had uh, um, uh, some spiritual problems. They, they always thought they were more spiritual than others. And they competed in spiritual gifts and Paul had to address it. They, he addressed order in the church because they were competing and speaking a prophecy and there was disorder. In fact, Paul had to remind them, uh, I speak in tongues more than any of you because they thought they were more spiritual. We see those things in the city today. My pastor is more powerful than yours. That's the language in the city. And he, got, he has more followers. He has all of this. Paul addresses real cities. So for me, the book of Corinthians is actually a great book to understand how to be a church in the city and address some of the challenges in city churches. Now in chapter five, Paul addresses another subject that will affect churches in cities around the world, and that is tolerance of sin. That was what was happening. And Paul addresses it. Sin will affect us corporately. Sin will affect us individually. And Paul had to address it. Because you see, like I started, God wants to bless. God wants to move in our lives. But sin can be a hindrance. And the worst part of it is if we tolerate sin. That's what was happening. Because you see, my friends, when you tolerate sin, soon it will be accepted. And it will move from acceptance and then it will become normal. It starts to become normal. And once it reaches that level of being normal, we start to defend and justify it. That's the progression. And from defending and justifying it, we will go to a place of celebrating it. And not only will it be celebrated, it will go to a place where it is being demanded as a right. Legislated. That's the progression. And so Paul begins to address this subject in chapter 5 because it was beginning to happen in the church in Corinth. So let's read God's word and see what Paul says about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It is actually reported 
that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. have become worse in the church. A man is sleeping with his father's wife and you are proud, Paul says. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? For my part, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. As one who is present with you in this way, I have already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who has been doing this. So, when you're assembled and I am with you in spirit and the power of our Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Your boasting, Paul says, is not good. And we see that a lot. Oh, we're a tolerant church. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new and leavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread, leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. And we won't talk about sexual immorality today. We're going to talk about it next week in, in detail because he continues to address that. Not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat with such people. He's addressing sin not outside the church but right in the church. He's making it clear that this is addressed to believers. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. But when it comes to inside, he has Paul's recommendation for that man, expel the wicked person from among you. Wow. This is in the Bible. It's not my idea. This is God's word. And sometimes 
These are parts of scripture that are not very popular, but he is addressing real challenges, especially in churches in the city, where sin sometimes gets to be tolerated and accommodated, because you see, whatever you tolerate today will be celebrated tomorrow. And Paul didn't want that to happen. And he's not just addressing sin. He's really bringing the heart of God because God's desire is to bless you, is to, is to fill you with his goodness. But sin can become the hindrance. And Paul is saying, don't tolerate sin. So the problem with the church in Corinth was that they turned a blind eye to sin. And not only did they turn a blind eye, they were even proud of this man who was in a very inappropriate relationship, incest. He even said, what you are doing in the church, even the pagan society, wouldn't tolerate it. That's, the, that's what sin does. It makes, it blinds you and you do things that are unimaginable like this man. So they were quiet about it and it grew. Now why is it that sometimes we find ourselves in a place where sin is tolerated either in our individual lives or even as a church? I'll give you a few reasons. One is when there is wrong teaching. We have a teaching in this city where especially young people are being told that when you become a believer, your spirit is saved. But your body and your flesh cannot be saved. So don't mind about what you do in your body. Because that one is not saved. They teach that to justify sin. In fact, the teaching goes this way. They say it is very sad if we see a believer repenting. Because what are you repenting about? Right in the city. And the teaching goes, when you are a believer, you cannot sin. If they read John the Beloved's letter, where he says, if any of us claims not to have sin, we are liars and we make God a liar. So wrong teaching. And then we also have this ideology of being progressive Christians. That you see, those days in the past, what was seen then, we have somehow progressed. Now we are more advanced, we understand some of these dynamics. And so let's just treat it as acceptable behavior and that's how we are. And, and so let's protect the rights of the minority. We must protect the rights of minority, but we must deal with sin. So it's not about minority and all of that. This is addressing sin problems. 
That's what he's talking about. We cannot. Now, we need to be tolerant as believers because we are at different levels. We have different likings. I mean, there are some of us who love it at the start of the service. We like it loud. We like to dance. That's okay. There are some of us who are quieter. We, we need to be with each other. Some of us have different preferences when it comes to food. I love chips and sausages, someone will say. Another one says, when it comes to food, if you never serve matoke, plantain, that's not food. We have those. And let's accommodate each other with those differences. But when it comes to matters of sin, Paul is saying, don't tolerate it. Because it's going to destroy your life. It's going to mess up our corporate experience of God's blessing. So he addresses it. So how does Paul say it needs to be addressed? Now please understand, Paul is not just addressing sin, because we all fail. We all sin. What Paul is addressing is tolerating sin so that it is acceptable lifestyle. And the man that Paul is addressing here he is a man claiming to be a believer because he's in church, but he has chosen a sinful lifestyle and in fact he says they are even proud of it. That simply means he's a person who's unrepentant. That's what it is. And so Paul addresses it from the point of this unrepentant man and he says such a one you need to put them out of fellowship. First Corinthians chapter 5. He says, verse 5, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Now, Paul is a little extreme. Because what he is dealing with is an extreme situation. So he uses extreme language and he's saying, hand him over to Satan. But really what Paul is saying, this person should no longer be considered as a believer. Now, please understand, when Paul is talking about addressing this matter, it's what we usually call church discipline. And when church discipline isn't understood in a holistic nature, it becomes negative. So please, let's go together. Paul is saying, put this person out of fellowship, but don't stop there. Because the full cycle of church discipline isn't just putting someone out of fellowship, but the goal is restoration. That is the full cycle. So when he says, 
hand them over, put them out of fellowship. He's saying now he has chosen a lifestyle that is actually sinful and he is proud of it. So right now he's behaving like a non-believer. And you cannot accommodate him claiming to be a believer but promoting a lifestyle of sin that is visibly evident. So Paul is saying. So when he says, hand him over to Satan, he says that he's out of fellowship. There is a so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Paul is still saying we must have a heart for those who are believers, chosen a lifestyle that's not uh, a sinful lifestyle. Yes, we put them out, but we continue to carry a heart for them like we carry a heart for the non-believer. That's what he is saying. But you cannot ignore it and tolerate it. You must confront it. I was talking to somebody recently and I, I saw an attitude that they were expressing which was um, not a godly attitude. And as I was chatting with them, I pointed it out. Their response was, now you have become judgmental. And I said, no, I've become pastoral. Because as your pastor, it wouldn't be right for me to see you going off track and I keep quiet. I would have failed you. And I said, I'm not even speaking as a leader at Watoto. I'm now speaking as your pastor. Because this attitude is going to destroy you. You're a young person with a whole life ahead of you. And that's the heartbeat here. And so Paul is saying there is a purpose for church discipline. It's not to shame and do all of that. It's actually restoration. As Paul is saying. So you have to confront the person because here's the reality. Anyone who God loves, he also disciplines. That's it. And the way God disciplines is through leaders, through fellow believers who help to point out something that's not right. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 19 says, Those whom I love, this is Jesus, I rebuke and discipline. So be honest and repent. Don't rebel. Repent. Galatians 6 says, Brothers, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual should restore such a person with a gentle spirit. Watching out for yourselves so you also won't be tempted. Now, why is it important that sin is addressed? We've seen, I've already said it. 
is important for the sake of the person participating in that sin. You don't want their lives to be destroyed. But the other reason is this. Whatever you permit can spread. And it becomes acceptable lifestyle. So just like yeast spreads through the entire dough, you better arrest it for the sake of the body of believers. So we deal with it so that it does not spread in the family. But the other thing it does, it, is, it hurts the reputation of the body of Christ. Paul says, you're even doing things which the pagans are ashamed of. What a reputation. It will kill our Christian witness once we do that. And so, Paul is saying, don't tolerate sin in the church. Don't tolerate sin in your life. It will destroy you. So how should we confront sin as I begin to come to a close of this message today? Jesus gives us a good model. And I, I love Jesus' model. We apply it whether corporately or individually. And I want you to think about this in the context of even your relationships, your friends. And this is how Jesus says we should approach it. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15 to 17. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Do not run to Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I know we feel like doing it sometimes. But even when a person has sinned, they still deserve dignity and respect. So you go to them privately. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Restoration. That's the goal. It's not just pointing out. It's restoration. But if they will not listen, do something else. Take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And that is good. Perhaps you're saying, maybe I'm not objective. What do others Think, especially close. Still respecting the dignity of the person. If they still refuse to listen, because some will refuse, they are probably justifying and giving excuses, they are unrepentant. Then it says, Tell it to the church, and he has really leadership. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, to the leadership, treat them as you would a pagan 
or a tax collector. In other words, begin to view them as a, as a non-believer in need of the gospel again. You love them. You pray for them. Because you care. But what you cannot do is tolerate their sin. My friends, if we just did this, we will set ourselves up for a life full of the blessings of God. Once you deal with sin in your own life, because it's a hindrance, you set yourself up to experience the presence and the power of God in your life on a daily basis. So it's not about judgment. It is about positioning yourself to experience God's blessing. That's what it is about. We mustn't tolerate sin. Later on in 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing to the same church and he says something amazing in verse, in chapter seven. He says, even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though, he says, I did regret it because it's hard to deal with some of these things. I see that my letter hurt you. It did, but only for a little while. Yet now, I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. It led you to a place where you were coming back to God. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so we are not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow that simply acknowledges the sin but carries on with it brings death. This is the word of the Lord. What is God saying to you right now? Let's take a moment of reflection. Just in a moment of quiet, close your eyes and think about what you have heard from God's word. And I want to start from you as an individual. Have you tolerated sin in your life? Have you accepted a particular pattern that doesn't please God as acceptable? Please hear me. God's interest is restoration, is redemption, is forgiveness, is to set you free. That's what God is interested in. 
And so if there's anything that has really brought godly sorrow, right now I want you to take a moment, if you're watching online, those of you watching on air, take a moment of reflection and ask Jesus to forgive you. Ask him for strength to overcome that pattern. Dear Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Those who are listening today, watching, those who are here in person. Lord, I know that we all struggle. We all fall down. But a righteous man may fall seven times, but he will always get up. And I pray that this will be a get up moment where we start with repentance and acknowledge that we have failed you. On an individual level. And I ask for mercy, I ask for grace, Lord. Help, up, help us to rise up. And by your spirit, by your strength, help us to live a life every day that honors you. Help us not to tolerate sin in our lives. Lord, I also pray that corporately, whether it is in a small group or in family or with our friends, give us courageous love to love our friends who are believers but have chosen a lifestyle of sin. Help us to talk to them in love Help us to walk with them even as they begin to put their lives together. But Lord, help us not to be quiet and to tolerate sinful behavior because it will destroy our lives. It will destroy our loved ones' lives and it will be a bad testimony for the body of Christ. So God give us the grace to handle this subject. But as I conclude, while all heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and for those of you who are watching online, I want to ask you a question. Not just about your lifestyle. I want to ask a question to your heart. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Are you born again? Here's what God desires for you. He loves you so much that he dealt with the sin problem by sending his son Jesus to die in your place, to pay the penalty for your sin so you can be a child of God. If that's you, I want to pray for you in the building. You're saying, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. Wherever you are, whoever you are, lift up your hand right now. 
I want to pray for you because God wants to set you free. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. I have a friend who's going to come. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. I see those hands. Thank you so much all over the building. Thank you, sir. God bless you. He loves you so much. He wants to save you. Thank you. Thank you. Online, you can raise that virtual hand and a friend of mine is going to be in touch. If you're watching online, there is a link that's going to appear on the screen. Click that link and someone will be in touch with you. If you're watching on air, write to us, connect at watodochurch.com and someone will be in touch with you. If you've raised your hand, I would like to lead you in a simple prayer. Those online as well. Would you repeat this prayer? In fact, church family, let's pray this prayer together. Say, dear Jesus... I thank you that you love me. Today, I ask you to forgive me of my sin and make me a child of God. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Come on. Let's celebrate our friends that have made that decision. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We hope this encourages you to step into the new. Tune in next time as we delve into the Word of God. For comments and feedback or counseling, write to connect at watotochurch.com. Hey, hey,